Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in, welcome on, and welcome to the Black Panther Wakanda Forever Primer episode brought to you by the Direct Podcast. I'm your host, the Rebel with a Pod. Need a Black Panther nickname for this. Didn't come up with one. I'm Matt Rimke, joined as always by my box office correspondent, David Thompson. David, how are we doing? Doing great, Matt. Wow, we finally made it. It's been a long wait for this one. There's so much to talk about today on and off the court, right? On and off the screen. Um, there are a lot of expectations for this movie. Box office, obviously. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But just as a film, what this is going to be and if it's going to be any good or not, right? At the end of the day, <laughs> is it going to be a good movie? Mm-hmm. Is it going to live up to the expectations that it has? And kind of what are those expectations? I feel like this one's a lot different than going into the first movie. Um, and we'll talk about that today. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited to see it next week. Uh, cannot wait. Yeah, no, it's going to be a really good time. I'm excited to experience this. You know what I mean? Obviously, and you know, like David said, we'll get into it more. But this one has a different weight to it than other Marvel movies we've had. Um, there's a baked in emotion going into the movie that maybe other projects just simply have never had. Really, if you look at it, like other than Endgame, but even then, that was more of a fictional emotion. This is this is a real life emotional movie that we're all about to watch, and um, you know, I, I I'm always fascinated when the early reactions come out, um, because you know they got the first wave of press screeners, and then the our wave of press screeners, and then obviously the movie comes out. I always look for like what's the word, what's the one word people keep using over and over and over, and uh, like for Multiverse of Madness, it was wild. And, uh, you know, for uh, Miss Marvel, it was charming. And for this one, the word I'm seeing a lot is cathartic. And that is something that I've I always expected this movie to be like that, a cathartic experience to finally, you know, it's been two years since Chadwick passed. And we're finally going to get to see what that means for his franchise and his characters and his legacy, really, in the MCU. And that's a very cool thing. But. Beyond all that, we also have a movie to get to, and uh, there's 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 other expectations other than just paying tribute to the man himself. So, if we can, let's dive right into it. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, everything you need to know about the Black Panther sequel, directed by Ryan Coogler, written by Ryan Coogler, and the music, of course, by one of the one of the many up and coming goats in the scoring game, Ludwig Göransson. Um, so Ludwig, Giacchino, uh, Christoph Beck, you know, which one, which one's your favorite of those three? Do you think? Giacchino. Giacchino? Man. So I, I would say solely for the Batman. Sure. Honestly. Well, I know Way home, of course. Um, well, I mean, no way home is kind of like the obvious one, but even then that's just, I, I guess no way home wasn't as big of a surprise because it, we, it's very similar to far from home, mm-hmm. but the Batman's so brand new this year and it was so, so good I, yeah. I love that score and so different and perfectly fit for that movie right i'm i mean i trust me Gigi knows the guy obviously now he's directing stuff that i love so you know it's hard not to vote for him i do want to shout out ludwig though yeah. obviously black panther has one of the greatest scores in blockbuster history uh, you know oscar nominated all that stuff yeah um people forget mandalorian like do 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 like that's and, and effect, right <laughs> I was that him he, did, as well? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. That shit was dope too, though. Oh, dun, 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 dun. It's yeah, definitely dude. Ludwig and Giacchino, though. Like those two, they're just killing yeah. it right now. Yeah. I mean, they, they like everything they do is just perfect. Like, this is going to be awesome. The music is going to be amazing. 
Absolutely. And we'll <laughs> and we'll talk about it. But let's but first, let's dive into the keys of the game. What does this movie need to tackle first? What does this movie need to get right? What are the most important factors of this movie from a more narrative standpoint that you know, will we'll put this in an upper echelon in the MCU rankings. And people need to remember, you know, when we go into something like this, and I like reminding people, this is the 30th Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Three zero, which means, you know, if you want to, oh, is it top 10? Is it top five? Is it top 15? Top 15 is top half. That's a big deal. So, you know, we need to figure out you know how we're going into this like you know is this going to be the best marvel movie ever made i don't know but um you know these are the keys to the game that i think they need to tackle to have a shot right and from a narrative standpoint and the first one of course is uh the you know very sad elephant in the room and that is handling the death of chavik bozeman you know chavik bozeman introduced as t'challa in 2016's captain america's civil war bubba um, and then of course in Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame, What If, etc. Um, this is obviously, you know, the thing that has impacted this movie the most. And um, you know, I think all of us, August 2020, you know, kind of remember where we were when it happened. I'm sure everybody watched Black Panther within the next week after it happened. And you know, this movie really has since then been the buildup to the MCU's Ryan Coogler's and Black Panther's reaction to T'Challa's death. And that's the cathartic thing I was talking about earlier. But David, um, you know, the first thing I want to talk about is just Chadwick's battle with cancer through Black Panther 1, through Infinity War, through Endgame, and how, you know, he knew pretty early on he wasn't going to be around for Wakanda forever. And I I haven't personally listened. I listened to a clip, but I haven't personally listened to um, the podcast, the Wakanda Forever podcast, where Ryan Coogler talks about this and talks about when Chadwick told him about everything going on. And it's impacted the movie in a huge way, David, going into this, knowing how important Chadwick's death is to Coogler, the entire cast, Feige, of course, and, you know, just this entire franchise. How, How does that kind of focus your mind as we head into a blockbuster movie like you know that it's a very sad thing but we are heading into a marvel movie how does that kind of change your mindset going in compared to say a love and thunder multiverse of madness yeah and i mentioned it earlier how going into this movie feels a lot different than going into the first movie and this is the big point of it right where it's it's not just this is not chadwick boseman coming back for a black panther movie right this is a black panther movie going in a different direction because of his tragic death and what is that going to mean, right? What what directions are they going to go without him? And I think based on the first reactions we mentioned earlier that they seemingly handle it well. Um, we don't know, though. We have to make our own opinions on that. And so will the audience. Um, but I do think it is the, like you said, the big elephant in the room. They're tackling it head on. They're not recasting. That was the big debate, too. Right. They decided, no, we're not going to recast. We are going to. We have this great diverse cast and Wakanda is amazing. The world building is awesome. We can do what we need to do with what we've got, right? And pay tribute to Chadwick Boseman in that way. And I think the big thing for me, like you talked about the emotions going into the movie compared to say like a love and thunder is that I'm expecting to be sad, right? Like I'm expecting to like have those moments of like, 
grief and just sadness and like um maybe not bitterness anymore but it's one of those things where it's like man like ah, i just miss him so much as the character as the actor like he was just so great gone too soon and i hope i i think they will i have full faith in kugler i just hope they pay great tribute to him and what he meant for this character for the mcu for the community right as the first ginormous larger than life black superhero on the big screen right that is a huge deal and that's what's so tragic about this too is that and what's awesome is they're going to continue on the legacy but he really was that guy you know sam wilson wasn't captain america yet right there was just black panther with his own movie and it made a ton of money and it was a great film and everyone wanted to see it in halloween costumes and all that stuff right um so i think tackling that is for me like we're talking about it first number one importance in my mind and i i wish it wasn't almost right i wish i could focus more on like the story and name more mm-hmm. things but for me it's like this is what they need to get right immediately right. and 100 percent nail because i i don't know how they're going to do it i don't even really i don't want to know i don't want to think about it too much i just hope and pray that whatever they do is on the money respectful and just makes me feel something make right. makes me almost be able to move on more than I have over the last two years since the tragic news happened. Right. Cause it was such a shock to everyone. And I'm still kind of living in that shock a little bit. And I think moving after Wakanda forever, hopefully being able to move on with not just the character, but you know, having him uh, be gone now for over two years. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think like, this is the, this is the point after, you know, his passing where we finally get to, you know, celebrate him a little bit. As weird as that sounds, I think that, you know, we talk about the first 10, 15 minutes of movies all the time, um, you know, and how like that's so important to set the tone. This this is this is just I, I like I can imagine people standing up and cheering, you know, during any funeral scene for T'Challa in this thing. And and it's, yeah. it's got Rise of Skywalker vibes a little bit um, after Carrie Fisher. Obviously, like we were wondering, how are you going to handle Leia? You know, one of the most iconic characters in all the film you know definitely the most iconic woman character in all the film without question um so you know we i like you know we all i expected going into rise of skywalker we were going to open with a leia funeral scene you know that's what i thought was going to happen it didn't they didn't go that way that's not that's not the movie they were trying to make which i i respect in certain stances it was about ray and kylo but um you know i i do think we're going to open with a funeral in this one and i think like that is going to be such an impactful scene or two um that is going to carry out the rest of the movie and you know as sad as it is and it definitely is that um i think it's what it's going to do to benefit this movie in a way that's going to help all of us you know get the most out of it it's going to set the stakes immediately the emotional stakes anyway for um angela bassett cherry nakia everybody involved you know seeing how Seeing them impacted by this death, I think, is going to be very interesting um, early on. And if it hits, it's going to help us get behind every character involved right away, right? Because we're going to jump right back into it. Um, and you mentioned the decision not to recast T'Challa. That is, um, obviously, that was probably the first question for Kugler and his team. What do we do with this character? And I just, you know, I have been on the train of not recasting T'Challa since his death, because I think like this is an opportunity and, and it, you know, 
it's been two years. We've 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 grieved, you know, as fans and, you know, to 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 Chadwick's family and friends, you know, you know, forever grieving. And, you know, I don't I don't mean to be insensitive, but like when he passed away, I thought this could be a really awesome opportunity to make an incredibly impactful, emotional movie about death. And and I've you know, I, I want to hear your opinion, but I've always been under the um my my theory I've always wanted to see come true in this is, you know, T'Challa, the Black Panther, the King of Wakanda, the superhuman person. What if he just died of colon cancer the same way Chadwick did? And I, I think that would be such a poignant tribute to Chadwick, his fight um, and, you know, just everything he went through to bring this character to life, despite being so sick. Um, you know, to I, I think it would be a really awesome thing to. Um, honor him in the way of you know it doesn't have to be he died on a battlefield or you know vibranium poisoning or some comic book shit like like you know people die even superheroes i think that could be a theme of this movie and i think like this this is an opportunity to both pay tribute to chadwick and um do something good for your movie um from a narrative standpoint but the decision not to recast obviously david is going to focus this movie more in an emotional way, this isn't going to be the fun romp the first Black Panther is. As emotional as that movie is, it's a good time. This yeah. this doesn't have good time vibes yet, you know, at least in the first act. Where do you see the tone of this movie? Like, obviously, it's going to be centered around the loss of T'Challa, but like, you know, the tone of this movie being impacted by Chadwick. How are you going to navigate that as a fan watching this and, you know, because we're going to get moments of levity, how are you going to how are you expecting to handle that moving through it? Well, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit. You mentioned it is that my expectation is that there's going to be a funeral scene. They're going to address it early on, is my point. They're going to address his death early on. And like you said, maybe it is the fact that they have to child just die of cancer, which initially I was definitely, um, I guess, just not on board with. Sure. Because it seemed almost too on the nose, and I thought they would maybe do something different. But you've mentioned it a few times, and I'm kind of leaning now towards the side of like that would be pretty cool and impactful. And just I, I think the bottom line is like cancer, not cancer, whatever it is, is like he died with lack of control over it, right? Like not on the battlefield. And I think yes. that is illness. what could be powerful, right? Yeah, illness. Like you just it just happens, like life happens, and you can't really do anything about it and it sucks it's terrible and i think that would be powerful i do just hope in the film they tackle it early and we can kind of all as an audience then move on because this movie is long right yeah Yeah. take a breath and now it's like okay what's the conflict what's namor doing what's the problem here and make a good mcu movie and i guess what i'm kind of looking for is just them to tackle it early and let it be a lingering thing throughout, right? right? Let Shuri keep dealing with it and every and all the other characters, right? But we kind of expect Shuri at this point to kind of be the lead going forward. Catalyst. But yeah. And I, yeah. And I think I think it'll be spread out a lot, obviously, without T'Challa in the film. I think it'll, like the the lead role will be very spread out between a bunch of different characters. But I do hope it's kind of just they tackle it early and then it's just lingering throughout the film in a very impactful way. And we get to a point later in the movie where there's like really cool tributes to him that make us all cheer, right? That I think would be really awesome. Like, I think that would be a really cool way of 
honoring him, paying tribute to him, just Wakanda forever in general, it being the name like that. I, I only think of him saying it really like, you know, like that's like, really I could cry. I could cry right now. Just hearing you say those words. I really could. Yeah. And I think, right. I think we should pack some tissues for this movie. Like I, I would be surprised if it doesn't make me shed a tear or two. Um, because it's like, how, how wouldn't I, right? Like, how couldn't I, depending on how they use it? So I do think kind of wrapping up this part with, with Bozeman, um, I expect them to handle this brilliantly. I have full faith in Kugler on this. Like I, this to me, like this is a key part of the movie, but I have like full faith. This is not a concern of mine, right? I have other concerns. This really isn't a concern of mine. I'm actually pretty confident this is going to be handled very, very brilliantly and elegantly. I I like what you mentioned about the runtime because this is what two forty something like that. Forty one, second longest or third longest behind um, the Russo Avengers movies, right? I think it's behind, no, no. I actually think it's behind uh, Endgame and Eternals, if I remember that correctly. How long it could be a little off, but I think Infinity War was like two thirty. One year anniversary of Eternals, by the way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll watch the Turtles tonight. Who's right going to stop me, right? Who's going to um, stop you? It's a great score. It's a great score. Um, the thing about the runtime is, like, I, I I have this weird mental fantasy in my head that this came in at, like, 2.15, 2.20, and Kugler went to, you know, whoever is in charge, you know, rather it be Foggy or otherwise, and be like, hey, listen, I know this is our cut right now. I need 20 more minutes to give Chadwick his his moment. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I need this to be a little bit longer because we have an extra thing to tackle. And that is, you know, giving Chad his his flowers. And I, I think that's a really cool thing. Question for you as we jump out of this segment. Would you be upset if there is if T'Challa is alive at any point? Right. If T'Challa if there or if it's if it's the ancestral plane because i'm expecting an ancestral plane scene and it's like is he there is it his voice what do you think about that i don't know i watched um black panther earlier this week and the ancestral plane scenes kind of hit a little different thinking about what we're going to get next week um they're emotional. They always are. The second one, especially you were wrong, all that stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't want to see him. I definitely don't want to see him because I know it's going to be, you know, CGI working, which is, you know, which is fine. They've done that before and it's okay. But um, his voice, I think could be special. I think something that this movie can do with the ancestral plane that maybe they didn't do last time is think of the latest episode of Andor. Um, when uh, did you watch? I assume you did. Yeah. Did you love? Loved. Good show, right? Um, when they put that <laughs> earpiece on that girl's um, on that girl to give her like the torture device screaming thing, we don't hear it. We don't hear a second of it. We just see her reaction to it. I think it yeah. could be a really awesome thing to have Letitia Wright just fucking flex. And have her go into the ancestral plane, but we don't see her in it. We see her reaction to it outwardly, and like she just breaks down or something like that. And we just idea. like maybe faintly hear T'Challa's voice. You know, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know. It, it would be a repurposed line from another movie, something he said to Shuri, maybe. Um, 
I never freeze, maybe. Um, but I just think that that is how I would prefer they handle it if they're going to put Chadwick in. And and we're gonna talk we can get to it right now, I guess. The the lore of the Black Panther is going to be really important here because the essential plane is such a big part of it. Chadwick did it twice in the first movie, and Eric Stevens did it once as well. So to to have whoever <laughs> takes the heart-shaped herb um take it and not go to the essential plane would feel off. How do they remedy that? Um, do they not do heart-shaped herb? Is there a different way to do this? Um, I don't know. That's that's one of my biggest questions going in, is how do they tackle granting the powers of the new Black Panther without the ancestral blood? Because it would be weird if Letitia Wright went in there and saw her dad. Right? I mean, it'd be, it'd be a moment. Don't get me wrong. Like, it would be a moment and a half if T'Chaka showed back up, right? I think that guy may have passed away as well. But it'd be weirder if it wasn't Chadwick. And so I think maybe that route could be a little more efficient. What do you think? I think if we get the ancestral plane, it's it's the Chadwick Boseman kind of moment or, you know, one of them where it's maybe not him. You know, it's maybe not a CGI kind of deal, but it is like a literal panther because that's what like that's what's in the trees there. Right. And then maybe they do it in a unique way (laughs) where we don't it's not. It's not super visual, like you said. Yeah. We may just hear his voice. We may just get a, uh, a super, like, cut-up conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be impactful. Like, it may be a little weird, but at the same time, I think in the moment, like I said, this is not a concern of mine, how they're going to handle this. I think in the moment, it could be super well done and heartfelt. Like, sure. I, I, who knows, though? It could be a CGI thing. It wouldn't It, it wouldn't stun me. You know, no, it, wouldn't, and- it, wouldn't, it wouldn't super surprise me. There's merit to it, you know what I mean. As long as it's handled tastefully, as long as they, as long as they've consulted his family about it, you know. And and you know, this we're jumping around a little bit, real quick. John Connie is still alive, seventy nine years old, kicking ass, looking good. Uh, T'Chaka, um, <laughs> <laughs> he does look good. I like him. He's a he's an old soul looking dude. Um, his eyes always weird. Black Panther. They they're like I I don't. That sounded offensive. It it throws me off every time because I never notice it in Civil War, his eye. But when we go to Black Panther, how he's got like the one lazy eye. I'm like, oh, yeah. How are you going to put somebody in a movie with um, Saul Guerrero (laughs) that also has a lazy eye? (laughs) Um, It's just interesting that that is so much. What's that actor's name? I always forget. Saul Guerrero. Saul Guerrero. Um, I'm blanking now, too. We'll we'll get in a bit. Sui. I, I do want to say real quick, we have precedent with oh, Forrest Whitaker. Forrest Whitaker, of course. Of course it's Forrest Whitaker. It's always been Forrest Whitaker. Um we've we have precedent with this. Rise of Skywalker, obviously. They handled Leia with CGI. You know what I mean? They did that. They did the thing. Um, for better or for worse, whatever you want to say. The Leia moments in Rise of Skywalker hit for me. How true how how um no, that's haunt. Never mind, sorry. So we have that, obviously, uh, Far From Home, dealing with the in-universe death of a character and how Peter reacts to it. I hope they utilize it like that, where at the beginning, it's very emotional. Hero's journey, hero's journey. And at the end, Tony's death really is, you know, it's it's not even like the thing that gets Spider-Man off his ass. It's the thing that kind of brings him back down to earth in that conversation with Happy of the Jet. Yeah. Like that's one of the best scenes in the MCU, by far. Right. I think. And... I think like that kind of scene later in this movie could be 
just as good as the one from Far From Home because it's amazing. Like, I love Led Zeppelin. What an incredible moment that is. And I hope we get something like that. Yeah. Um, but also, we have an actor dying in a franchise experience as well. And, you know, this isn't one of the universes we cover, but Fast and Furious. For all, you know, popcorn complaints about that movie, of which there are many, um, yep. th- those movies, I should say. That movie with Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth is one of the best action movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, and and it's because of the Paul Walker emotional weight behind it. Getting his brothers involved, allowing those scenes to happen, the car splitting apart. I mean, that is yeah. tears every single time. No matter TikTok in the movies, in passing, whatever. I cry every time. So we have precedent of how this can work. And we also know that fans can understand that an actor is gone and how that impacts a movie. Like that scene when they split in Fast and Furious, narratively, plot-wise, doesn't make a ton of sense. But man, is that a moment. And yeah. I think it's just, it's very cool. And and what they do is, Vin Diesel, not the greatest actor, but man, is he a good, you know, like passion actor. He's good at family stuff. I, that's stupid, but he is. And to let him eat there was awesome. And we have so many great vehicles for that. Lupita Nyong'o, obviously, is like one of the greatest actresses of our time. Angela Bassett is one of the greatest actresses of our time. Yeah. And Letitia Wright, she's, she's awesome. incredible. She's incredible. Those are great vehicles for that. So I think there's an opportunity there. I agree. Um, I, I think it'll be handled in a better way than that film handles it. But that I do think the issue with that movie. A little different. Um, well, it'll be different. I mean, it's not Fast and Furious, obviously. It's and the the, the main main difference to me between both those productions is that Paul Walker died after filming scenes for that movie, so he's right. like in the movie. Like that is a whole different situation than this, where like they had the entire movie to plan without Chadwick. Same with Carrie Fisher, yeah. She had a few done. Oh no, or was I, it all repurposed? She died before Last Jedi came out. So oh, then, yeah. when it was going into Rise of Skywalker. That's what was so weird about in Last Jedi when she like when Kylo like blows up the ship and she shoots out of the space. It's like, oh, like, oh, my God, it was kind of like a weird. And then she she married Poppins, is it? But like in that moment, it's like, oh, my God, like you, <laughs> it's like scary for a second. Cause like, you know, Carrie Fisher actually is, you know, is gone now. But uh, no, they didn't. They just in the plot of the movie, they planned for her to stay alive. So they yeah. just kind of had to like throw her in at the beginning of that movie and try to do something. Which is one way to handle it. There's no good way to handle this. You know what I mean? Um, how good is Adam Driver in that scene when he thinks he did it? Like, so Driver good. in every scene in He's those incredible. movies. Like, so good. That scene specifically is my favorite Adam Driver scene. Just because, like, he's still angry. He's still, but, like, man, do you feel it. Yeah. Um, it's all it's all very interesting how they're going to do it. But in-universe... Um, plot wise, this does turn this movie into finding a new Black Panther. That is the plot of this movie now. Um, also, you know, with Namor and um, the in universe reaction, and Angel, it's in all the trailers and a scene that apparently is released. I haven't watched it, of course, because I'm that guy. But Angela Bassett, you know, talking about like, ooh, you guys think that we're weak now because our king is gone. Nope. <laughs> nope. We're not. We're good. Yeah. So I think that show them who you are, show them who we are. That is going to be the driving force of that of this movie from that standpoint. Um, and I think that finding a new Black Panther is going to be 
something that they didn't expect to tackle, but now that's the movie. And I think that Ryan Coogler has a chance to do another origin story, essentially, for this new Black Panther with characters we already know. And the candidates, of course, are Shuri, Okoye, Nakia, and Mbaku to be the new Black Panther. We've seen <laughs> Shuri's Black Panther in trailers. Um, and yeah. she looks she looks incredible. She looks absolutely incredible. Um, but we've, there's also rumors of multiple Black Panthers and, you know, more of a <laughs> Black Panther's a, not a place. It's a people kind of thing. And um, <laughs> that sounds like a joke, but really, <laughs> like, like oh, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> anyone can wear the mask kind of thing. Like this is go. like yeah. we 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 have an opportunity for the Black Panther character to become more than one person. And Chadwick did so much for that character in 2016. Now it can go to another level, that Spider-Man level, where where like we want, you know, the the Black Panther character is great, not T'Challa, the Black Panther character. Um, so uh, David Shuri, Okoye, and Mbaku, we know Shuri's going to get a suit at some point. Do you expect multiple Black Panthers? Do you want multiple Black Panthers? How do you want to see the mantle handled in this? I. Do not expect multiple. I think it'll only be Shuri if I had a guess. And I don't I don't know that. I haven't really read spoilers or anything like that and kind of stayed away in general from this movie, um, which is good. Like I, I'm I'm kind of actively trying to. I don't really I don't want to know much going in. But that's just my that's my God honest guess is that they only have the one Black Panther because multiple to me would get a little. A little dicey, I think. How crazy would it have been if they stopped marketing after that first trailer? <laughs> Because like that's one of the greatest trailers of all time. <laughs> they can't. I know. There's there's so many examples of that, right? Like where the tease because the teaser these days is really like a trailer, and then the rest of them kind of More show us a stuff. bit too much, right? It's like they really want to get people like invested in the movie before they even go out and see it. So it's like as a fan, you kind of just want to watch the teaser and then go see the movie. You don't want to see this other stuff, but then you have to. You get excited. You watch. I will say one thing about how it's happening in universe is there's been a lot of death with the Black Panther, right? Just, just, or just you know, the character, the 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 people, the family. You know, you mentioned T'Chaka, now it's T'Challa, and now we're Shuri. at Shuri. Um, right? um, Suri, Suri also died, and that was a moment in the first one. And also yeah. Killmonger, his death. Killmonger dies. T'Challa dies, and. Infinity War, like, and that's a crazy moment. And it, you know, at the time in 2018, watching that's like, oh my god, like Chadwick Boseman's, uh, you know, dusting away, and then Peter dusts away, and you're like, what is going on? Um, what you say? If you remember in Infinity War, like I remember me watching it, like, you know, who was it that went first? Bucky. Yeah. Bucky went first. When T'Challa went, that was the moment everybody gasped. Yes, like, that was like, yes. like obviously Bucky going was big, but. When T'Challa went, it was that point of anybody can go. Because anyone can get it. And it was great filmmaking because yeah. you're focused on Okoye and this is like not the way you died today. The arm. Yeah, yeah, right. And then it's like dusting away. It's like, what just happened? Uh yeah. So that I'm mean, great scene. But to my point, it's like in universe, it is it's it is a little tricky navigating this because there has been a lot of death, how they're gonna handle that. I do think the main like crux of the film is going to be, yes. He died for such for X reason. And now they think we're weak for X reason. And Namor and, you know, his people have some sort of vengeance. They want something. There's going to be something going on there that that conflict, that idea that's going to lead them 
um, to, you know, attacking, right? To like some sort of like conflict. And then what do they do in terms of, I, I, to answer the question about what they do with the Black Panther mantle, I think Shuri doesn't suit up for a while in the movie. I mean, it's a long, we already touched on it. It's a long film. And I don't think they're going to be in a rush to like just make her the Black Panther. You know, I don't think it's going to be like a cutscene. I don't think it's going to be like a montage. I think it's going to take time. I think there's going to be a lot of thought put into it. I think it's not going to be an immediate, obvious decision. I think it's going to be like, okay, the throne's kind of open. Like, who's it going to be? And Shuri ends up being the one that makes the most sense, right? She steps up. There's like a, there's a hero moment from Letitia Wright. It's not just that she has to, and it's like immediately, there is like that, that moment where it feels more deserved than just handed to her. Political biases aside, I think Letitia Wright's going to just dominate this movie. Oh, and I, I, I think, full faith. And, and for a couple of reasons. One, she obviously has a lot of meat on the bone with her having the emotional weight of losing her brother, right? But there's also losing her brother, potentially becoming the new Black Panther, potentially becoming Queen of Wakanda, like all those things she has to handle. Um, and it's going to be awesome to see the Dormelage and the Jabari tribe and the Wakandan army or whatever be the enforcers throughout most of the movie and because there is no Black Panther. We all everybody else needs to step up. Quarterback's out. We need everybody else to step up, kind of thing. Yeah. And um it's it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it. So you know handling the death of Chadwick Boseman, handling the passing of the mantle with Black Panther. And then the last thing, you know, when we could pick up the energy a little bit, the more exciting parts of this movie that aren't so sad, it's Namor and introducing this character. And what I've appreciated about the marketing beyond the teaser is it's been mostly Namor focused. And, you know, that's kind of what uh, Marvel Studios does, right? The teaser, um, you know, kind of sets the tone of the movie and, you know, the emotional part of it. But then every other piece of marketing we've seen has been heavy action. And kind of showing off the excitement of this movie, and which it looks like there's plenty of, and all of that has been focused around Namor. Namor is going to be a huge piece of this movie for a bunch of different reasons. Um, obviously, he's the antagonist um, for at least most of it. Um, but one thing Namor needs to do, as far as the Black Panther franchise goes, live up to Killmonger. You know, one of a, a perennial top five antagonist in the MCU. And, you know, how does Namor bring what Michael B. Jordan brought to this movie? And Michael B. Jordan, I watched it earlier this week. It was the charisma and the intensity behind that character. And, you know, he's not a perfect character in that movie. I don't think I think there's some acting woes there for uh, Michael B. Jordan a little bit. But, um, you know, that character was a dominating force. How can Namor be a dominating force as well? David. What are you expecting is um, from Namor as far as living up to the Black Panther antagonist role and being that impact player on the team? Well, I think he's going to be a lot different than Killmonger. I think his sure. uh, obviously his motivation is going to be a lot different. Just who he is is going to be a lot different. More stern, I think. Definitely more stern. He is already a leader. He's not like this person that wants to be a leader and wants to rule and just is like super fiery and just like energetic and cocky like he's already going to be well established as this kind of like demigod or whatever they like view him as an idol right like they they it's going to be i want to start with this besides like the the killmonger comparisons because that's that's the obvious one right it's 
Killmonger was amazing. Michael B. Jordan, awesome in the first one. Very well known, very well loved. Namor's going to be a whole new character. And I think Namor's going to have a bigger role moving forward in the MCU, hopefully. You know, opening up, not Atlantis. <laughs> I'm on it. We're, we're going to call it not Atlantis for right this second. Um, and just, but in, but you know, the actual name, the underwater world of the MCU. Like, that's going to be a big part of this movie that I think we're kind of underselling so far. Like, we talk about that long runtime. That's going to be part of it, too. Talocon is Talocon. Uh, Atlantis. Which is cool. I think it's going to have, you know, that's going to add to the kind of tribal effect and the leadership role. And I think what really is going to happen in this movie, and I cannot wait for, the best villains are the ones you kind of root for a little bit or you see their side. And I think Namor is going to have a claim to whatever he's getting at, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever his motivations are, whatever he's after, I think we're going to get some, I think we're going to get some emotional weight with this character. It's not, he's not going to be some random mustache twisting which the mcu barely ever does mustache anymore. twisting villain <laughs> anymore, anymore. <laughs> this is going to be a in-depth layered villain that we are think i i've said this before and i'll say it again i think walking out of the theater obviously the effects of whatever they end up doing with chadwick i think namor is going to be the headline in the story heading out of this movie i think he's going to be the mvp i think he's going to be the winner of the movie that character and moving forward in the MCU, where he is, what he's doing, the intrigue, the interest, just kind of the like love for him, probably. Like, I- I'm not sure this movie's gonna end with him being a true villain, right? I-, I don't think, I'm not sure that's where it's gonna lead. I think he is more in that anti hero role by the end of this. And I'm curious where it goes, but I have very high expectations, as you can tell, for this character and what they do with him. I think that. Also, when you look at phase four, you know, say what you want about the overall movies, the villains in phase four save maybe um, the guy in Black Widow, Drakoff, you know, his his quote unquote motivations. You know, we didn't get a lot of time with they did the Jaws thing with Drakoff where we don't see him until the third act, which I I appreciated because it kept the mystery behind him. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, you don't see it. It's scarier, right? Um, You know that, you know, say what you want about his motivations. No Way Home villains didn't really have great motivations. Um, you know, Green Goblin just, you know, he's bad again kind of thing. But that's not what that movie was about, right? Every other villain in Phase 4, I think, have had great motivations. You know, Wanda, Gore, Win Woo. Uh, even the shitty CGI characters in Eternals ended up that's having an emotion. That's what I was thinking about. The Celestials even, and Eternals. Yeah. Even they had an emotional backstory. And then Icarus right. also had an emotional, you know, reasoning for what he was doing. It thought ended up being great. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, 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 you know, as much as I didn't like the deviants and Eternals, I do appreciate that they attempted to give them some sort of depth. It wasn't just that they're bad. They, they felt wronged. And I think that phase four has handled that. Well, Namor's motivations need to have some sort of depth. He can't just be Namor's bad. And cause he's bad kind of thing. It needs to have it. Something. It won't. I, I don't think it needs to be special by any means, but it needs to be something. It needs to have substance. And there's a lot of scenes from trailers of Namor and Angela Bassett having conversations, a young Angela Bassett and a young Letitia Wright talking to Namor kind of stuff. Like I think backstory is going to be big here and some sort of revisionist history. And that's going to be important. And another thing that's going to be important is the fact that this is Namor. This is one of the biggest Marvel characters of all time. Right. This is introducing a, 
Marvel classic into the MCU. One of the oldest Marvel characters um, being introduced into the MCU. His debut here needs to be something that obviously does well for this movie, but also sets him up moving forward. So his debut, as much as his performance in this movie, I think is going to be a very important key to this game. David, do you have any other, you know, you know, auxiliary keys to the game that you think they need to tackle from a narrative standpoint if we kind of covered it all well i think just like the final thing i want to say on like keys is just wrapping up phase four but that's kind of a different a different topic yeah. but that yeah. but that's the other key i would say right for they, sure they, yeah they and we'll said, talk about hey, that more this is the end of phase four so let's let's see what that means right Something Black Panther, the first one, didn't really, you know, it was right before Infinity War. It didn't have any big, like, MCU ties, really. True. You know, the uh, Everett Ross was the biggest one, and he's a Black Panther character at this point. So, yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But we'll talk about that more moving forward. But let's move on to the coach's notes with Ryan Coogler and his first shot in the MCU being Black Panther. This is a sequel um, to one of the biggest movies of all time. And yes, Black Panther is revered as one of the most impactful comic book movies ever made. It got Oscar noms for Best Picture, and it did so much for so many things in comic books. Personally, I think it's far and away from a perfect movie. Like, like there are things that Black Panther doesn't do great. So in in a sequel, how can they capitalize on what went right in Black Panther and scale back on what went wrong? Let's start with what went right. Here are the three things I think they need to continue as far as success from the first one and those three things are and david i'm gonna let you pick which one we want to talk about first capturing the magic of wakanda the political and espionage scenes of you know black panther with the casino and the spies and the you know the 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 throne room scenes and stuff like that the the politics of it along with the espionage and then also, you know, this the musical production. Music was such a big part of the first one. Can they continue that moving forward? Between the magic of Wakanda, the political espionage of it all, and then the musical elements, you know, which one do you want to talk about first? It's got to be the magic of Wakanda. Because mm-hmm. I think coming out of Civil War, that was the most intrigue going into this movie for me. Besides that, yeah, right, exactly. Besides, like, everything else with just the, the new character mm-hmm. and Chadwick Boseman, like, just this, new, this whole new role and how cool it's going to be, was just Wakanda, this secret kingdom, basically. El Dorado. And, yeah, exactly, El Dorado. And that is what makes this movie so, I think, unique in people's minds because because of Wakanda. And I don't think it's any secret. That's why this movie is really called Wakanda Forever. Black Panther 2 is kind of the subtitle, right? Like all piece of mark all pieces of marketing, Wakanda Forever is way bigger <laughs> than Black, Black Panther. Panther 2. Yeah. Cause that's what this is about, right? This is about Wakanda and about the magic and about see the thing is, it's two parts, the magic. It's the beginning of the movie magic where it is hidden. And then by the end, what T'Challa's trying to do with the outreach mm-hmm. and actually trying to open up. Wakanda and that I'm excited to see that continuation in this movie right and maybe it's like was that a mistake mm-hmm. is was that you know because at the end of Endgame it seems like Wakanda's in a good place I, it, like you know we had that kind of that swing shot of like they're, they're all in Wakanda it's like Shuri um what's in Har- character <laughs> Green, yeah Queen, Queen Ramonda Ke- yeah Queen Ramonda and then T'Challa and it's like awesome right they're back and they're alive and we're going to see where it goes from there so 
it just seems like um in general i want to see not only that magic re-sparked again show me that cool stuff but then the continuation of the actual story of wakanda because it's a growing like evolving thing like what it means to the world and that was killmonger's whole point kind of right that's why he wanted wakanda was because he knew they were so it was so powerful in there and all the vibranium and all this stuff so that's the one i'm most looking forward to i would say i'm watching this movie again for probably like the fourth or fifth time i would say black panther this week um i i think that i and this is a big word i'm gonna throw out there but there was a spielbergian aspect to how ryan coogler introduced wakanda like like i watched jurassic park i watched black panther and i get the same vibes of like wow this is such an awesome world he's built and i feel the magic between it and the thing i always go to from the first black panther is the tribes and how they set up all the different tribes how they all have different values, they all have different roles. Um, the the merchant tribe, the border tribe, the river tribe, and the mining tribe, along with, of course, the royal family and the mountain tribe. Like all those different working together between those, I think is a really awesome thing that they did there. And having them and having, you know, T'Challa not have, you know, the same opinions on his council, you know, having to choose between the old heads and Daniel Coulier's character and and, you know, just like that conflict between the different pockets of Wakanda, I think is a really cool thing they did. I hope they continue that here, obviously more focused on the throne and less th- focused on the politics. It reminds me, too, of Game of Thrones. Sure. Like, the tribes are like the houses, right? Sure. And it's like, who's sitting at the top of the throne of Wakanda? You know, what decisions are they making? And then I also want to shout out with all those tribes and then kind of like the introduction to those, which is the waterfall fighting, right? Sick. Of like who... Who's going to win? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, there, we we went back there. I, I love in movies. It's like a video game trope. And I love this about the Batman with Robert Pattinson. Um, when you go back to the same location multiple times and different <laughs> things happen. God, it's the best when it's done right. It can be so, so good. And I'm seeing yeah. the club in the <laughs> Batman and the waterfall uh, in Black Panther. What do we go back to that club like four different times? It's like, so <laughs> good. The like the second or third time we went back, I was like, "Oh my god, really?" Well, Again? Fact, but dude, but the, by the time gold. by the time he gets to the top floor, I'm like, "Okay, I get it." It was so good when Bruce Wayne goes, "You know who I am," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, this is cinema. This Sick. is DC Sick. writing. It's cool. It's cool." <laughs> um, uh, and you know, just one last thing is just the music, obviously. Yeah. The first movie was full of so much energy and just excitement with the music. Rather, rather it be the Wakanda theme that or the emotional parts in the ancestral plane. And then obviously everything Kendrick did and brought to this movie is just there. there's so many musical elements that enhance that movie. And just and I assume Ryan Coogler is going to keep that going is letting music be not just a part of the movie, but like. A foundational piece, and I'm excited. Moving on to what maybe Black Panther missed, and if you think Black Panther is a perfect movie, maybe shut this podcast off at this point because I do think that there are some flaws in just the overall movie. There's not anything specific, but like when you look at that movie on surface level, it is a pretty cut and paste comic book movie. You know, what's the story of the first Black Panther? The old leader has died, the new leader has to take over. And, you know, some people want him to do it differently. Some people want him to do it the same. It's Lion King. 
It is Lion King. Um, and I think that I think that, you know, that is a pretty cut and paste plot for sure, which is fine because they 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 get ambitious in other parts of the movie, you know, with Killmonger and with, like I said, the music and the score and how they use it in that movie and just the relationships between the characters. They get ambitious in other places. But at the end of the day, it really is just the final act is the hero fighting a copy of himself in a less than stellar fight and and you know everett ross doing the plane thing which you know was cool at first but it's gotten worse every time i've watched it kind of thing um and i just think that taking a few more risk plot wise i think could do this movie some good because we've seen not just comic book movies but blockbuster movies in general take more risk as far as how they tell stories and i think ever since civil war where you know they kind of have this amazing back and forth between Tony and Cap the whole time. And then the third act is that big twist. And now it's real kind of thing. Marvel has progressed in that Black Panther, I think, is a step back. And I hope Wakanda forever can correct that. I, th- I think Ryan Coogler can look at Black Panther and think, OK, what could I have done better? Maybe take a few more swings plot wise um, at the end of this thing. I think they will. Right. I mean, I think they're going to the be forced Black- to in a lot of ways. Exactly. The Chadwick thing. Correct. And I, and I think the other thing was going into that movie 2018 for Black Panther, it kind of was a Force Awakens deal. Let's play this one safe. Let, let's hit a let's hit a double, not, go, not swing for a home run. Right. Let's let's just get on base. Sure. And what happened with Black Panther, in my opinion, is that they did that. But then they got an inside the park home run because of all the things we just talked about. Right. Because of Killmonger, because of the music, because there's the acting in general, supporting the world itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Everything else around it, like the structure was very plain, but everything else was amazing right. and enriching. And you wanted to live in it. And it meant something more than just another superhero. Right. It wasn't just some white guy running around in tights. You know, and that was that was unique. That was different. That was something we hadn't really properly seen before, especially in the scale of an MCU film. Mm-hmm. It it was it was like old school uh, Patriots Brady, like not doing anything flashy, but getting down the field every single time, like never, never, you know, making a mistake, taking what the defense gives you kind of thing. And I think that's what Black Panther was. I do think we need to take a few more shots downfield and what Connor forever to not not not. I don't think it needs to, but if they want to elevate into that top 10 range, if they want to elevate into that top tier MCU movie range, risk need to be taken. That's where we're at in the MCU, where being great is 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 fantastic, but being special is what's going to get you into that upper echelon um, of MCU movies. It's going to be hard. I, I was going to I was going to shout out like I have Black Panther, I think, at 11. Really? And. That's that's still high. And I it's looked really at it high. this morning before hopping on this podcast. And I was like, because I, I just wanted to kind of see where I was at the first one. Sure. Right? I was like, I knew it was really high. It's awesome. But I knew I didn't have it top five or anything like that. Like maybe some others do. And I looked at it. I saw what was ahead of it. And I thought it's it's perfect. Like where I have it for me is exactly where I would keep it. I have it at 14 right behind Shang-Chi. Um, because I think Shang-Chi and Black Panther are two very similar movies. And I just think that it it, it simply comes down to the final act of Shang-Chi, I think, is more interesting than the final act of Black Panther. And and <laughs> the final act of Shang-Chi has the exact same problem where it's this intimate family story. And now we're doing a kaiju fight. But it's a dragon. Um, yeah, the dra- <laughs> yeah, there's just a couple of dragons. No big deal. But um, 
I just think it's a little more interesting. So it'll it'll be it'll be something to see how they handle closing this movie, really. And and that'll be something to watch. Those are the coaches' notes. Let's move into the starting lineup for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. A little more quick hit segment here. David, we start off, of course, with Letitia Wright as Shuri. Political views aside, I think Letitia Wright is Letitia, uh, Shuri, the character, is a beloved character in the MCU. I think she is a stellar character in Black Panther and Infinity War and Endgame. Like, she is awesome as a sister, as a scientist, as a Wakandan ambassador, all those things. What are you looking for out of Letitia Wright Shuri in this movie? How do you think she'll be utilized as the lead of Black Panther Wakanda Forever? This one's maybe my most concerning bit of the film is that if Shuri's supposed to be now Black Panther, obviously, right? Like the, the lead. And what does that mean? Because this movie itself is going to rely on a lot of other things besides just the one true Black Panther. Unlike the first one, in my opinion, in like Civil War, it's like it was just about not entirely. But at the end of the day, it was about T'Challa and he was Black Panther, right? And his journey. I'm not sure this movie is going to be all about just her journey. I am, of, I am, of course, excited to see what she does, but I'm not sure I'm going to walk out of the theater thinking that's my new Black Panther. Can't wait to see her in the Avengers. Maybe I will, right? Maybe I'm like, that is Black Panther. Or maybe I feel like it is still more of a communal Wakanda thing. And like mm-hmm. I said earlier, my expectation is that Namor is going to be the big thing I'm excited about walking out of the theater. For sure. Yeah, I I, I just think I think Shuri has an opportunity to take that level where this is my new Black Panther. This is not just a new Black Panther, a pivotal part of the MCU. I wrote an article two years ago, I think, when Disney Plus updated their Marvel banner on the app. It, it used to be all the shots of the original six from Age of Ultron, Yes, um, which some of the best character posters in the game, by the way, the Age of Ultron one. Um, and that's all it was. But then they updated it with the phase four characters, Shang-Chi, Wanda, Captain Marvel, Loki, and Shuri. Shuri is on that poster. So I think that they want Shuri to become a pivotal part of the MCU. And as much as, you know, people, I'm, I'm not saying it's a lock that she's going to be able to take that jump. She has all the opportunity to do so, though. You know, she has the weapons. She has the ability. We've seen Shuri be a beloved character before. How can she mature? She was like 16 in the first Black Panther. What are those? And all the jokes and all that stuff being adorable beyond belief. How can she elevate that one step? And and like I said, she has the built-in emotional script to elevate it, you know, like through writing. Like she she has a baked-in motivation to become more mature and that her brother died. But how do we see that? progress over time how do they show us that shuri has how do they show us shuri is going through this and has to overcome it that's going to be really interesting for me next on the list um i wrote this out of order but angela bassett as queen ramonda uh, seems to be the narrator of this movie right um yeah she's going to be a driving force obviously in the same way in the same way that suri was in the first black panther and um i just think that angela bassett is going to really set the tone of where everybody is. Like she's going to tell us how everybody's doing with uh, uh, T'Challa's passing and Wakanda. And, and she's, I assume going to play a pivotal part in deciding and helping the new black Panther become whoever they are. Yeah. I, uh, I think she's going to be a star uh, behind Namor. I think that this character, Angela Bassett's going to be the second leading 
uh, MVP coming out of the film solely based off the trailers. <laughs> sure. She's, I think like her, I said, I she's narrating this thing. She's taking a step up. I think her acting is incredible. And I think she's really going to be like a very pivotal part of this film and and moving forward, right? And getting through the story and defending Wakanda and what that means and making political business decisions uh, for Wakanda and how they get to this major conflict. Like, What's really happening? I think that's great right now. We don't, uh, we're less than a week away from seeing this thing. I don't really know what the conflict's going to be. Genuinely, I don't. I don't yeah. genuinely know what it is, and I think uh, this character is going to be a big part of that, navigating it. And I can't wait. Also, a top candidate to die. I mean, it is. <laughs> like, That's a good point. Like, yeah, she could. She could be the actual play character. You know what I mean? Like, like there's opportunity there as well. Uh, moving down the list, Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia was not featured in Infinity War. Was not featured in Endgame. Coming back to the MCU for her second round. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um. As a warrior. It looks like as a as a leader of Wakanda, what are you looking at out of Lupita Nyong'o's Nakia in this as T'Challa's former love interest, but also leader of the river river tribe? And, you know, Shuri's probably one of Shuri's like right hand men. Curiosity is the first one that comes to mind with Nakia in this movie, because I think her role would have been so different in the MCU and just in this film if it was still with T'Challa, because I think that was like what they were building towards like more that romance relationship, like what was really happening there. And now I don't know. I'm Lupita Nyong'o. I think is going to do a great job. I just, as at this moment, I almost only know what to expect, (laughs) right? I guess besides being a warrior action fighting, what's her true role going to be in this film? Like what, how does she progress the plot forward? Is she now like a sister to, Shuri, is that kind of like the vibe or is it a little different, right? Is it kind of like a cousin you see twice a year? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I would lean more sister. And because, and I only say that because the next character on our list, I think, is going to be this is going to be my pick. Like, I, I think Letitia Wright's going to be the MVP. My dark horse pick would be Daniel Guerrero's Okoye. Um, this is one of the most developed characters in this movie. No, I'll take I'll walk that back. The most developed character in this movie is Okoye. And, you know, we saw her in the first Black Panther. We saw her in Infinity War. We saw her in Endgame being an Avenger. Like, she is an Avenger. And she was uh, presumably leading Wakanda through the snap. You know what I mean? Like, working with uh, Natasha and figuring out what that all means and and says. So, um, Okoye's character as the leader of the Adora Milaje, I think she's going to play a pivotal role in being Shuri's, you know, brace. She's going to be the one that helps Shuri get through this and because she's going to be getting through it herself. But there's one thing Okoye has always been, you know, from day one, a Wakandan loyalist. And, um, you know, would you kill me, my love, for Wakanda? Without question. And uh, uh, Infinity War, this will be the end of Wakanda. Then it will be the greatest death in history. Like, like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Like, let's go. (laughs) And I think we're going to get a lot of that. Like, you know, Okoye, I think, is going to represent um, keeping Wakanda going, you know, Wakanda forever, I think is going to be a Koye here. And I think that's going to be a really cool thing because say what you want. She is one. Of, she is the most developed character we have on the roster going in. Yeah. Uh, Okoye, I cannot wait to see. I a feel badass, most, <laughs> I, I feel most familiar with her. I think because of Endgame, right? It's like, she didn't blip away. She, she's been here, dude. Like she's lived life the last how many years 
uh, up to this point in like the MCU timeline. And I have so much faith. I'm going to love whatever she's doing, right? As a warrior, her action is always awesome. And just her character is great. She's one of those just perfect supporting characters in the MCU that they've just nailed. And like, you feel such an, an attachment to like, I cannot wait to see her moving forward in this movie. Uh, she's probably going to be in a lot of it, right? Like I see her kind mm-hmm. of with that main group navigating all of this and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I, I agree. And along with Okoye, I think she's going to be leading the, the um, strategic part of whatever Namor is bringing to the land along with him, along with her, her right-hand man M'Baku. Winston Duke is back. We have watched from the mountains and I can't wait. This guy is this is one of my favorite characters. He's incredible in the first Black Panther. He's incredible in Infinity War. And I just can't wait to see him be more Wakandan in this. He was the outsider in the first one. Now he's a part of Wakanda. You know, uh, you know, they have that brother moment between him and T'Challa and Infinity War. Thank you for coming. Anything for you kind of thing. And I just can't wait to see him take in Shuri, take in Okoye and just be like, listen, like, we're going to be okay. We're gonna like, and and I'm gonna make sure we're okay because I'm a big motherfucker, and um, he's gonna be the aggressor of this movie. I think I think Mbaku's gonna um, low key be a very fun role in this. Yeah, good call. I think he could be a fun role. I like the idea of him telling the story of Namor, right, and kind of having this like wisdom about oh, cool who that God. is, right. And I, I love the idea of him being a bit of a storyteller in this one. Besides being like a giant fighting you know um leader in wakanda which we you know we've seen a lot of very charismatic winston duke is great in the role that's what i'm most excited about i think though is his like possible storytelling elements you know kind of like korg a little bit <laughs> a little different than korg and but kind of a sweet in a child of mine place <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. I, I do want to point out something with Mbaku in the first Black Panther movie. Yes, he is this big bruising force throughout the movie. They have a lot of moments where they slow down with Mbaku. Him yeah. and T'Challa's conversation on the mountain. Him, you know, their second conversation on the mountain where he's like, I'm not going to give you an army kind of stuff. Winston Duke has the the range to take it down and bring it up while also being the biggest guy on screen at all times. I think that's very cool. And uh, lastly on our list, as we move along here, uh, another MCU debut uh, akin to Black Panther and Civil War is Dominique Thorne's Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart. This is the um, one of these things is not like the other in this movie. You know, like, you know, this is the least Wakandan aspect of this movie is Riri Williams and Ironheart. Um, I think that there are so many amazing opportunities between her and Shuri, you know, being who they are and what Shuri wants to do you know, is, you know, bring Wakanda to the rest of the world. What better than bringing a genius from America to help figure it all out? Um, so what are you expecting out of Riri Williams um, in this movie? And like, I guess, I guess here's my question. 100% of this movie, how much is Riri Williams in it? 33%. Love that. That's so perfect. That's perfect. That's, that's just, I mean, yeah, like a third of it, I, I think. And spread out, sprinkled in. Mm-hmm. I will say, Matt, this is one of my biggest concerns going into this movie. I could see a couple of things happening. One, the biggest concern is we don't fall in love. I don't think it'll happen. I hope we do. I hope we love the character. Number two, a distraction. 
right? A distraction from the rest of the plot, like you just mentioned, how it kind of sticks out. Yeah, it does. This is Ironheart. She's getting her own TV series. She's going to be set up for her own TV series. She is kind of like Iron Man, right? From the trailer, we get like the Tony Stark shot in the helmet shooting off. Like (laughs) it looks cool. But at the time, you know, on the podcast, I also mentioned like it's a I am not I'm not completely bought in yet. Right. Like I, I need to see it in action. I need to see this character in action. I need to see Dominique Thorne in action. And this is the biggest. Well, I guess because the other characters we've talked about are kind of safe bets. We know we're getting out of them. We kind of get it. This is the wild card to me where I would not be surprised. I hope it doesn't happen. We walk out of that theater being like, hmm, kind of a sore spot in the movie. Right. Sure. Didn't love that. <laughs> and that wouldn't shock me. I hope it doesn't right. happen. Obviously, like I'm rooting for the movie to be good. No kidding. But if I had a concern, it would be Riri Williams. Um, just because of I just where like you 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 pointed out, it kind of seems like it's sticking out. It doesn't almost seem like it's fitting in, but we'll see how it does. I think the biggest reason it's sticking out is how do they bring Tony into it? You know what I mean? Ironheart is a Tony Stark fan who wants to be the new Iron Man and has the means to build Iron Man too. I think that's so cool. And I'm excited for them to tackle that. But how do they bring Tony into the conversation with Shuri, who also just lost Chadwick? You know what I mean? Because we had that scene from the trailer of Riri and Shuri dapping up in the the lab, which, I mean, what an incredible callback to the James Bond scene from the first Black Panther. Like, what an incredible, you know, like, just dapping up, you know, your homie in the lab kind of thing. Um... I think it's going to be interesting how they use Riri in terms of Shuri, because I think where it could go right is if Riri is almost a distraction for Shuri, where, you know, Shuri's obviously dealing with a lot. How does she kind of get away from it all? She gets into the lab and she has this young, uh, you know, scientist that she's mentoring and, and helping develop her skills and stuff like that. That's where I think it could go well. What I don't want is for Riri to end up being like the emotional crux of why Shuri decides to be be Black Panther or something. I don't want Riri to be the kid from Black Adam, where all the motivations Black Adam Jesus. had was because of that kid. <laughs> and 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 we know it's not going to be that egregious because that was that was very <laughs> egregious, I feel like. But there's there is a slippery slope opportunity here where Riri could be the one to pull Shuri out of it, which I don't want to happen. I want Riri to be involved. Don't get me wrong. I think she's going to play a big part of talking what you talked about, the expansion of Wakanda. You know, why is Riri here? Because Chadwick opened the doors. And I think that she is going to be that piece to show us how that has evolved. I just don't want her story to impact Shuri's hero journey too much. I want it to be a part of it. I don't want it to be the crux of it, though. Yep. And yep, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I mean, we're going to get another Iron Man scene. That's always fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, I just I, I I think from an action standpoint, getting Iron Iron, getting another Iron Man suit in the MCU again. I'm excited to see it go down. I wonder um, how it'll sound. It's going to have the repulsor blast, but it's going to be so? like a, a vibranium repulsor blast, though. You know, what right. I mean? like and, right. and this is something that I think the MCU <laughs> has maybe slept on a little bit. Um, and you know, I can't take all the credit. Shout out to our guys at Kind of Funny who pointed this out yesterday, but I kind of want to repeat it. Um, you know, when Tony Stark announced he was Iron Man, I am Iron Man, that echoed throughout the rest of the movies, public superheroes like Stark Tech is everywhere. 
he's mentioned in almost every movie. Yeah. As, you know, oh, oh my God, superheroes are real now. You know, ever now, now he's mentioned t- every movie. <laughs> yeah. And he'll be mentioned in this movie, as he should, as he should. Um, you know, scientists die. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, like the effects of Stark being a public avenger were felt. We never really got Wakanda being open to the world. We never got that hinted back to in Infinity War, Endgame, Ant-Man of the Wasp, Captain Marvel, or any Phase 4 movie. Um, you know, we got a little bit like Miss Marvel. Like, ooh, is that Wakandan? You know, like they, people know what Wakanda is. Like, that's that's huge different from the 2018 movie. And I think Riri is going to be our example of that. And hope I'm hoping moving forward, and something that a uh, uh, friend of the show, Tim Gettys, pointed out was... Um, like when Tony has the nanotech suit in Infinity War, it's so weird to me that like Wakanda was never mentioned there. Like, yeah, ever since Wakanda opened up, I discovered this new nanotech thing. Like that could have been a cool little integration. I think this is going to end up being that in this movie. And that has been your starting lineup. Shout out Martin Freeman as Everett Ross. He will be in this movie as well. Um, it's, uh, he's, he's going to be a secret invasion as too. So. That'll be keep an eye out for scrolls. I'm just saying, keep an eye out for a little scroll scene. Secret invasion is the next MCU project other than Ant-Man and the Wasp. So keep an eye out. Let's move into the playoff picture after this movie. What are we expecting to see? David box office, 1.3 billion for the first black Panther. Uh, deservingly. So I think, um, do we, what what are expectations box office wise for Wakanda Forever based on comic book movies so far this year, blockbuster movies so far this year, and also just this being a sequel to a billion dollar movie? I think the big thing is that there's been a huge drought when it comes to big blockbuster films since basically July. Like we got Black Adam. We've had some smaller hits. We've had some smaller films, but theaters have been overall dead. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone's rolling up to a Black Panther screening for the first time since they saw minions or thor right because there really hasn't been that many movies especially the comic book variety we got black adam but that wasn't a huge hit right that was kind of its own thing but for an mcu film opening weekend i think it's gonna be a huge huge smash i think it's gonna make more than um the 187 million opening that multiverse of madness made i have it around 190 195 just under 200 it'd be a little less than the original um i just think that the overwhelming majority are going to go see this next weekend right like it's Uh veterans day weekend one it's a three-day weekend for for a lot of folks great weekend nothing else is coming out nothing else has been out you may be with family it's going to be i I would think somewhat of a feel-good movie and so my prediction yeah cathartic great great word for it like you said earlier Overall, I don't know if it hits a billion. Um, probably won't release in China for all intents and purposes. But we have to kind of kind of move past that. And if something does release in China, then report on it. But and I say that because that means the global numbers, the international numbers, may be a tick down. The other number that I really want to talk about is it hit like seven hundred million dollars domestically. So this was a huge North American hit, as we all know. Everyone saw this movie. This was not just Black Panther 1 was not just a superhero movie. People that don't give a shit about the MCU went out and saw Black Panther and loved it and then didn't go back and saw other movies, right? Maybe saw Infinity War, maybe saw Endgame, but but weren't going to go see Captain Marvel and Ant-Man the Wasp in the US, right? This was a huge domestic hit. 
This will be another one. However, I think it'll make significantly less than 700 million. That is a ginormous hit. That is one of the best of all time. But I think it'll make around 500 million, um, which is, Domestic. which is great. Domestically, correct. Um, and a bit, but I think a majority of that will be that opening weekend. Right? I already had it at nearly 200. So I don't think its legs are going to be like top gun or anything like that. But I think it'll be a huge hit. Mm-hmm. No two ways about it. Make the make the company money, of course, um, before Avatar comes out. And we'll see. I, I, I'm curious because of the runtime specifically, how rewatchable think this thing is going to be. Black Panther 1 was a, probably a little bit more rewatchable. Uh, came out an interesting time in the year early on in 2018. Didn't really have a lot of competition. Kind of a little more, I would say, room to breathe and kind of sure. continue on, continue on, continue on. Just like Top Gun dominated over the summer, stuff like that. It'll be it'll be interesting uh, to see the legs, but opening weekend, sky's the limit. It could reach 200 million, which would be quite the feat. I mean, that is a lot of money. <laughs> that that is a ton of money for an opening weekend, and I've got it close. Uh, like I said, 190, 195. That's where I'm about at with it, and uh, we'll see. But uh, any way you slice it, big hit. It'll depend how well it's received. I think, right? Like Black Panther one was re- received so well. If this one's kind of teetering with that near three hour mark for runtime, maybe won't make as much money. I find it so interesting. I've talked to you about box office predictions for every blockbuster superhero movie for three years now, right? You know, like I I have heard your pre-movie predictions for every single movie. And if I remember correctly, 190, 195 is where you put Multiverse of Madness as well going into that movie. And, um, And it did great. You know, it didn't hit 190, but... I think that is so interesting to me that Multiverse of Madness had that 190 prediction from you for so many different reasons than Wakanda Forever does. Like this was multiverse moving the MCU forward. Doctor Strange is back. Oh my God, it's Wanda. Like like all these different things. Black Panther is it's more of a curiosity, right? But I do think I the reason I want to maybe bump that number up a little bit. Like I'm not the expert, guys. David's the expert here, but 210 because I think that. This could be one of those movies where we get out of it and go to our general public friends and be like, you got to go see this. Like, you got to go see Black Panther. Black Panther, the first one, is the only Marvel movie my brother has ever seen. He doesn't like this stuff at all. He loves Black Panther. And I think that Coogler's vibe could, you know, get that, hey, you got to go see this, that we got from No Way Home, that we got from Top Gun. Unconcern and every box office analyst is talking about it. It has to be mentioned is Chadwick Boseman um, and no T'Challa for all intents and purposes. Hate to say it. I think there's a part of people that may not be interested and there's a part of people that may not be as interested because they might have wanted a recast. That's not me and you. That's not a lot of people. But I do think there are some people that this movie could have made more money theoretically if he was alive. And I hate to say that, but it's true. Oh, I mean, billion dollar movie with the same cast. Yeah. And I think some people and I but I think that varies a lot. Some people may have wanted to rather see a recast, may not be a fan of the the direction they're going, maybe not as interested. But that's all very. I just want to throw it out there because those are some of the cons going into this, like some of the concerns from the box office perspective. 
heading into this film. Right. And to kind of piggyback off that point with like what I was saying, as far as like the word of mouth. And we talk about that a lot with these movies, the word of mouth, it, it can kill a movie more than it can hurt. And then it can grow a movie, you know, like, Hey, you don't need to see this is much more impactful than, Hey, you should go see this. But I feel like it has that house of dragon kind of vibe where people are like, Oh, you know, how are they going to handle it? It being Chadwick Boseman's death and also rebooting game of Thrones. How are they going to recapture what we got with the first one? That being the, you know, Black Panther 2018 and the eight seasons of Game of Thrones we got. I feel like the people that are on the fence like, yeah, but, you know, Zachala's not in it. Like, you know, how are they going to handle it? I feel like once they if they hear people say, yeah, they handled it well, if that's the only hurdle, you know, all they need to all they need to hear from friends and family that have seen the movie is. No, it's handled really well. And the same way with House of the Dragon. Like, I have friends that didn't want to watch it, but then I told them, like, no, like, trust me, they did a good job. One more thing. Final thing. Final concern, because I was very positive to start, but I have to make sure things are balanced, is there is a conversation kind of going around and a feeling that Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder didn't live up to expectations. And for general, for bigger audiences, general audiences, it's like Marvel movies this year are trending down. And I don't think we're at that spot, obviously. Like I, I thought Love and Thunder was vastly underrated and people didn't really see some of the point of the movie. And I thought some of like the subtleties and like the serious moments really hit hard for me amongst all the comedy. Sure. But in general, I, I do believe that some people may be concerned. This, this may let me down again. <laughs> right. Um, do I think that'll hold people back from going opening weekend? Absolutely not. And I think this movie, like I said, ending on a positive note for box office, has more of a general audience, general audience, period, right? Like, I don't think it's just comic movie fans going out to see this one that are excited about the multiverse. Black Panther 1 was something that lives forever in the zeitgeist that so many people went and saw. Mm-hmm. And I think the same will be true for this one. And the same intrigue will be there for this one as well. Um, I, I I can't say it because I haven't seen the film, but my feeling is the movie's really good. And then the thing's going to crush and could could reach a billion. But that's just me sure. kind of talking out of my ass because I have no idea how good the movie actually is. <laughs> one last point on box office. You mentioned how, you know, m- maybe the, the momentum of the MCU is down because Multiverse of Madness was a... I, I'll say Multiverse Madness was a letdown from what it could have been. It was a success in a lot of ways, but it could have been better. Thor Love and Thunder obviously being a comedy is much more subjective than any other MCU movie. Do you remember the most panned MCU movie of 2021? Girls. Do you remember what movie came out after that? Um. <laughs> Just saying. Um, all right, and that's our box office expectations. Now with our MCU expectations, David, you said you have Black Panther at 11. Um, let's just assume they crush the handling of Chadwick's death past that. We have action. We have, uh, the plot featuring Namor and we have all the little MCU things that make an MCU movie world building, how they, how they put these characters on the board for future movies, stuff like that. Say they crush the Chadwick Boseman thing. Let's just assume that is done very well. Where, where do you predict this will land on your rankings in reference to Black Panther at 11 for you. I assumption is that it'll, it'll be below it. I would be surprised if it's better. I, I, 
I just can't imagine walking out being like, that was better than Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's unfair right now, but that's just my expectation. Sure. We'll see. Um, I, just for like some reference, looking at my list, like I right after Black Panther at 12, I have Far From Home, 13's Age of Ultron, 14's Doctor Strange, and then 15 for me is actually Love and Thunder. Um, that's how much I like that movie, <laughs> right? Top half, just dead, dead center, basically, kind of like top half. Um, right, pretty high. Yeah. I think I will like it if I had an expectation, maybe between Doctor Strange and Love and Thunder, right? The new 15 ahead of Love and Thunder, because my expectations are great. I'll like it more than Love and Thunder um, for a lot of different reasons. But if high end expectations, can't imagine my top 10 is so locked in. Sure. (laughs) Since, Since No Way Home, like my number nine is Iron Man and 10 is Guardians of the Galaxy. Like good luck, <laughs> you know that that's going to be tough for me. So if it if it reaches top fifteen, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Success. I think this is a uh, high floor, high ceiling kind of movie, where I think the baked in emotional stakes of T'Challa's of Chadwick Boseman's death, I think gives you know puts this movie in the box with two balls. You know what I mean? Like, like we're already ahead knowing that we're going to get some sort of emotional resolution after losing an actor we all love. Like, that is baked into the movie, I feel like. So, I I think, uh, just my rankings, at 18, 19, and 20, I have Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness, and Eternals. And those are the phase four, you know, that's kind of the phase four gap for me. I think it's this movie's floor is just above Love and Thunder with the baked in emotional stakes of it and what I've seen from the action so far, which I think looks really awesome. And those are my favorite parts of Love and Thunder. I think the floor um, for this movie, as long as it doesn't stink, I think it you know is safely above Love and Thunder at 18. But as far as ceiling goes, you know, if if it hits the things it needs to hit right, and also it has the music, and also it has that acting performance, and also we have that great, you know, action action sequence we expect in the third act with Namor and the Black Panthers and all that different stuff. If it can hit all the things it's supposed to, and then have all those plus attributes that the first Black Panther had, because like I said earlier, plot-wise and final act-wise, Black Panther is a middling movie. It's the extra stuff that keeps bumping it up my list for me. I think that this, I, I do think it has top 10 potential. I do think that it, the emotional weight of this movie is going to carry so much of it. Anything else we get on top of that is cherry. And think about all the things we could get. It could be funny. It could, I mean, the music's going to be great. This could have like one of those final scenes that like make us all just ball crying. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, I think if we leave the theater in this sort of like, oh, that was, you know, that what what emotional journey that was, that's going to give us a really good taste in our mouth. And I think that I think it has top 10 potential, whereas Love and Thunder, um, I think Multiverse Madness had top 10 potential and it dropped it. Love and Thunder, I never saw having that high ceiling because of the tone, because of the comedy and all that stuff. This one has those built in stakes to where. They don't need to spend time getting us invested because we're invested because we care. And I think that has a big thing. Moving on to the last point here before our post-credit predictions. This is the final project of phase four, saving for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which, David, 
we're reviewing in two weeks. How is that possible? Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. How we is are, that possible? We are just less than three weeks away from the Guardians holiday special. Merry but, Christmas, um, Matt, honestly. Merry Getting Christmas a little, to you as well. Really Merry Christmas. What's Guardian your favorite Christmas special. song? Spot. It's okay to say Mariah Carey. It's the best one. That's what I was going to say. It's the best one, for sure. All I want for Christmas. It's one of the greatest songs ever ever made. (laughs) Can I shout out two things? Sure. The score of Polar Express. Awesome. And the score of Home Alone. Because when I hear either of those... Exactly. (laughs) Christmas, right? I I am in Christmas. like that. That is Christmas. The soundtrack to Home Alone. Like, Run Run Rudolph is... Running through the airport. That's what that song is. Like you hear Run Run Rudolph, you're running through the airport. That's that song now. And I think yeah. that's cool. My favorite is Christmas by Darlene Love. I absolutely adore that song. If you've ever seen New Girl, it's also Jess's favorite song. Very good stuff. I like Santa Christmas. Baby. Last shout out. Santa Baby's good. Um, as a final phase four movie, I think that Shang-Chi and No Way Home kind of stand above the rest. Um, as far as the phase four movies go. And I think that Black Panther needs to have that top half hit for phase four to come out as a success from a movie standpoint. Obviously, the TV shows make this a little different. But, David, as the final part of phase four, we expect this movie rather through post credit scenes, Namor or something in the plot to really push the ball forward into phase five. Obviously, we're going into the quantum realm next. So, like, I don't expect this to connect an Ant-Man in any sort of way. But what are you looking for in this movie as far as an MCU movie? Not just a you know comic book movie, but an MCU movie ending phase four, going into phase five. What are you looking for? It's interesting because there's nothing that sticks out to me where it's like obvious. Even like a multiverse of madness, I thought thought would be a little more obvious in terms of like what it could set up. Like you just mentioned, like Kang. That doesn't seem very obvious. You know, I can't I can't imagine him popping up in this. Um, but who knows? I mean, I think the I, think the I can big go thing, first if you need to think about it. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but let me just shout out one thing. Like in terms of like them ending phase four, I think what it really means is that the conflict at the end of this film is going to have world changing ramifications. That is my prediction. Namor coming above grounds. He is a mutant, by the way. In the comics. In the comics, right? I don't. I don't know. We'll see how they play that. But I think this movie is going to have MCU changing ramifications, unlike other movies. Even like think about like a No Way Home. That that's just about Spider Man. That's not about that's not about the the world or the universe. And a lot of the stuff we're having we're dealing with right now has to do with the like multiverse, not even just like Earth, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense, right? Like what's changing on Earth? I think what this movie is going to do is set up in a big way a new threats right and something like that where essentially by the end of the movie we think of the mcu earth in a different way and that's why that's why i think it's the end of phase four for sure um looking back on phase four i think eternals could get referenced here with the celestial sticking out of the ground obviously that's in the ocean uh riri williams could be a part of that you know that, that could be how she gets into the fold stuff like that speaking on riri i think that her and everett ross are two characters we are getting next year so those two having a good showing and showing us something to get excited for 
moving forward, I think is also very important. Um, uh, so I, I'm looking for Everett Ross and Riri Williams to show me something that I need to get excited for, um, you know, as far as characters, but also, you know, what have I, I've been talking about this with phase four, the wide majority of phase four projects, say for maybe multiverse of madness is all about introducing and putting new or re, uh, uh, revamped characters on the board it's been all about characters phase four every single project every movie every show save for maybe multiverse madness it's all about the characters so i think like we talked about earlier if leticia wright can get into that point in this movie where she is a force moving forward we're going to be excited to see shuri again kind of thing so like that that could be something that pushes the ball forward from the mcu just being another player to play with moving forward and maybe a crossover of some sort and that moves us into our post-credit predictions. David, let's give a couple if you have them. What is your post-credit prediction for Black Panther Wakanda Forever? My first one is, I don't know how the movie ends, obviously, but something Namor related. I, I think that he's going to be set up in maybe it's like a hero or like a recruitment kind of a thing. I don't know. My other prediction is, so I think one will be Namor-based. And the other one will be, what's that? There's only, there's only one. Oh, I only have one prediction. No, there is only one post-credit scene in this movie. Wait, that was a report Ooh. that came out, not a spoiler. That's a report that came out. You're right about that. Ooh, interesting. Ooh. And yeah, and and it, I I have to imagine is because they're using that slot for the other one as a tribute to Chadwick. See, my brain still had it as two, and you're right about that. I almost forgot. So I guess in, I guess I'll say instead I was gonna say in addition to <laughs> I, I think instead it could be a post credit scene s- similar to Shang Chi mm-hmm. where it is an Avengers Shuri coming into the fold Shuri right exactly the new Black Panther maybe there's Captain Marvel maybe there's Scott Lang maybe there's Nick Fury maybe there's Wong <laughs> once again God if Wong showed up again that'd be amazing um, so I think I think. I just I feel stronger about that one because I was kind of like my big one is that there is what's under, you know, that we have the oceans now open. We have the rings. We have that beacon in the 10 rings, right? Like what's going on? We have the rings obviously happening in the quantum realm, like maybe putting some of those pieces more together. So mine would be not the exact same. Maybe it's actually more in person, um, but something akin to the, the Shang-Chi post credit scene where it's Avengers based. Maybe say my number one is Sam Wilson. Be kind of cool, right? Um, That'd be amazing. So yeah, when when it comes to uh, post credit scenes, like I'm more thinking of like characters that could show up and less about like like specifics. Like the the Thor: Love and Thunder post credit scene, I you know, shout out me, swish. <laughs> like like I, I I feel like I called that to a T. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to be Brett Goldstein, but I did know it was going to be Hercules. Um, and so when I'm thinking of like characters that could show up, I think the safest bet is a Riri Williams post-credit scene that leads into Ironheart. Good call. I think yeah. I think that is a safe bet. And I think that could be very cool. The only thing about that is what what are they going to add that the movie doesn't already add? Like what character can they bring in to make people go <gasps> like, is it Rhodey? Like that could be cool kind of thing, um, because obviously, you know, Riri and Rhodey are going to have a moment at some point, you know, uh, with Armor Wars coming out and things like that. Bucky. Like the Dormelage is going to play a bigger part in this movie than they ever have. And who is the Dormelage's like 
like number one non Wakandan, you know, acquaintance, it's Bucky Barnes. I, yeah. So I think Bucky could show up and do a Thunderbolt setup. Sam Wilson could show up and do an Avengers setup. I love Sam Wilson. That would be amazing. Me too. Both of them, maybe. I don't know. But um, my last one is, you know, Shuri, smartest human left in the MCU, right? Riri Williams challenging that spot as a very smart human being. What if they want to pull in some American scientists to talk about some things? What if his name's Reed Richards? You know, like that, that's been, that's, that was my prediction very early on is like Shuri saying something along the lines of, yeah. So I talked to this aerospace engineer named Richards, you know, some shit like that. Hey, but, I, um, you know, Krasinski showing up could be, oh, very, very <laughs> can we look, we cannot go the entire Black Panther primer without mentioning Dr. Doom because that to me is the big, like, not elephant in the room. But people, I think, have like false expectations for it just because of like rumors. I don't think we get him. And and that's not even me like reporting anything. I just I'm not sure that's this movie. (laughs) You know what I mean? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. It would be another distraction from what this movie is trying to be, which is a tribute to Chadwick Boseman and the arrival of the new Black Panther. Exactly. Like I I think I, I mentioned earlier and I've kind of changed my mind about this. But we'll see. Like we're so close. But I think getting so close to it, I think the movie ends more with that like kind of war and fight, not so much like BBS where they fight then Victor Von Doom together. I don't, I don't see it getting that messy. I, I think they're just having it's going to be a long kind of drawn out film with the with a decently sized third act encapsulating it all and setting up the MCU going forward, right? And like changing things, like I previously said. It could be a Black Adam type post credit scene where Namor's there and somebody approaches him, like a familiar face approaches him and kind of sets up his next story. Jason Momoa. Sure. Sure. <laughs> As who? <laughs> um, but uh, one oh, last... Man, James Gunn, it's happening. One last very small Dark Horse plus 2000 prediction. You know, we're in Wakanda. We're fighting, we're fighting a mutant named Namor. We pan over to Egypt for a second. Some wind starts dusting up. And a white haired girl, you know, just comes out of the shadows. And (laughs) if Storm shows up, I'm going to, this will be a top 10 if Storm shows up. I'm telling you that right (laughs) here. That's putting over the, that's putting over the edge. Electric, dude. Like, especially if like she has a relationship with Shuri, get the fuck out of here, man. Come on. That'd be sick. Yeah. Um, So yeah, just keep an eye out for an X Men theme. Yeah, you know, it could come at any time now. We know that this nobody saw this Marvel coming. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that has been everything you need to know about Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Please, um, you know, check this out before you go see the movie. And um, we'd love to, you know, hear everybody's thoughts on this primer, what their expectations are from the movie. And we will be back here next week, next Friday. So we'll have two episodes between now and then. But next Friday, we'll be reviewing Black Panther. Wakanda forever. And until then, we'll see you next